Hey guys, how are you today? Seriously, how are you doing? It's been a little bit crazy, a little bit unpredictable, maybe to say the least, but uh, just wanted to send you happy thoughts, hopeful thoughts. I'm all about the hope. We'll talk about that more later, but today it is my third full episode of Tater Thoughts. This is Charlie Tate, and I'm going through my Queen Deep Dive series, which I started with my previous episode, all about keep yourself alive. I can't, I can't even say a title without singing it. It's, it's a sickness. But here I am today. I'm going to talk about the second song from the boys' debut album, simply titled Queen, came out in 73. This song is doing all right, or doing all right, as I've seen it stylized in title. And this song is kind of a gem. It's kind of a one-off out of their entire catalog, and there's a very specific reason for that. And I'm just going to go into a little bit about these songs' basics and facts. This song is, yes, kind of an anomaly because it wasn't just written by a Queen member, Brian May. It was also written partially by Tim Staffel who was a member of the band Smile that he and Roger and Brian were in prior to the creation of Queen before Freddie and John came along. So yeah, this is a little bit of a unique number. It's a hard progressive rock ballad. I call it a ballad. It's at least half a ballad. Never was a single, so it never charted. But it's, again, it's a special little bright light on their debut and in all of their songs, it's quite relaxed. We've got it at a slow, rolling along 72 BPM. It's very slow. It, it's got a varied tempo, but that's its general tempo. It's about 72 BPM. It's in common time, four, 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 wow, four, four time signature. I'm getting ahead of myself here. And we've only got two keys this time. And we don't have the crazy five or six or seven or whatever, how many keys that Keep Yourself Alive has. This is a stark contrast with only two different keys. And it's got a lot of changes despite just two keys. It's pretty progressive for its time, especially when you consider it was written in 68, 69. It's a traditional ballad, but it's very riff-centric in its accompaniment. There's a hard rock influence there, absolutely. It's also asymmetrically mixed. It's got lead guitar on one side and piano on the opposite side of the stereo channel. So when you listen to it with a headset, it's got a nice balance. But that's a rarely used setup by the band. They didn't often do that. The original smile version of the song is much softer. It's slower. It's kind of dreamy. And we've got more Roger, which we'll, we'll talk about. I dug around quite a bit and couldn't find any written commentary from any of the guys about this song particularly. I'm sure if I went through a lot more videos and I listened to and watched recent interviews, I would probably find something because I think in reflection and in hindsight, the guys have a lot more to say about some of these earlier tracks than they used to uh, in their heyday when they were so focused on what they were doing in the moment. The gist of this song is it's classic Brian. It's very reflective, reflections of life at a young age, growing older, wiser, learning, seeking the silver lining. That's such a common theme for Brian. And I think that's why I like the song so much, because it's all about 
expressing this vulnerability. I love when someone can come out as an artist and just confidently make a statement about being a little bit reserved or vulnerable. I think there's a lot of strength in showing that you can be vulnerable because it's a very human thing, right? It's a very natural human thing, but we don't want to look that way. We don't want to appear weak. We don't want to appear like we're not sure of ourselves. So for these guys to come out that are quite assertive and very much rock and roll, to have this song that's much different, a stark contrast, it's a really fresh change of pace. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot of a lot of critics' comments on this song either. I think more contemporary statements about the song are a lot more nostalgic. I think in general, this song is quite loved by the fan base. It's been given new life thanks to the film Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the first song you hear in the film when Freddie goes to see Smile play live. It is a great representation of that original version of the song, which was much slower and softer. And of course, you can see that Freddie digs it. And I'm sure that he did. That's probably a pretty accurate sentiment to show that that he liked the energy of the band, especially as the song transitions into that nice, rougher breakdown that it has, that strong rock and roll sound. It's great that that song was featured in the film and on the film's soundtrack because a lot of people went, oh, this is really nice. And yeah, this has a lot of Queen flavor, again, because partially it was written by Brian. But it's just a little bit different. And it's cool that it was, in fact, the only Smile song that ever made it onto a Queen album. Other little fun facts. It features Brian on both piano and his old Halfred acoustic guitar. It's also the first Queen song that Freddie played piano live on, perhaps as early as 1970, and maybe even before John joined the band as the bassist. So this song has quite the history in the band's catalog. Also, fun little fact, Roger, Brian, and Tim got together and re-recorded this song specifically for the Bohemian Rhapsody film soundtrack. So that's a nice little nugget of information and a great little nod to their history and their beginnings. And it's cool too, I think, that Tim allowed them to take the song and use it because, again, he's a co-writer. I'm sure he's getting royalties for it and he's probably doing very well, partially because of that. He went on and had a great career for himself cool thing. He went on to become a model maker and he made the models for the first series of the Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends show. Do you guys remember that? I used to watch that. So he's done pretty well for himself, I think, and he's pretty happy with that. And he never had any animosity about not being a part of this band once he left. He, he made that decision and he went on to do additional things. But to have that little tie-in to such a noteworthy band. I'm sure that's a great thing. I'm sure that's an awesome thing. This is one of my favorites from their earliest albums, this song. It's such a nice breather from the raucous keep yourself alive before it. It's actually surprising, in fact, that it's so relaxed and so soft. It immediately showcases the band's versatility and their range. It's tender, sensitive, that reflection, it opens quietly with a restrained Freddie with his head voice, very soft. And when the chorus comes in, 
It's like we're lounging back in our convertible on a highway drive. Oh, it's just so sunny and it kind of surrounds you like a fuzzy blanket. And that unity, again, it's so strong within their playing and their performance. Those soothing guitar riffs, it's very bluesy. Freddie's aching voice in that second verse. Some of those lyrics are, are just, ah, I love the questioning and the introspection. And that transition, there's that change of key. It drops down. It's, it's very quiet. There's a change in tempo. It's like this welcoming rush or a sudden and much needed breeze that blows by. And the accidentals, like this delicate orchestral arrangement. And then that breakdown, that familiar aggressiveness and those pounding drums are all there. When I hear that part of it, it reminds me of some Doobie Brothers songs. And I mean that in the absolute best way. I love the Doobie Brothers. That familiarity, that jovial spirit. It's very American, actually, that kind of classic rock and roll sound that you hear in that moment. It sounds very American band to me. But then it sinks down again into that softness. Ah, you know, you get those rising harmonies from the boys and Roger soaring up really high. And then again, that celebratory assertive rock just rolls back in with those crazy riffs and that persistence from Brian's playing. Finally, at the end, those beautiful vocal harmonies just resolve it. It's such a well-rounded piece. I love this song. The earlier smile version is much softer, slower, opens with acoustic guitar instead of piano, and it features Tim and Roger on lead vocals which is a really nice kind of like a whoa moment. It opens with Raj. Tim picks up the middle verses and he has a very strong voice in this song. In general, he just had a very commanding voice. And Freddie did in fact mimic that style a little bit when he sings the song himself. So Tim sings the middle portion and then Raj closes it out again. The whole thing in that early version is a bit jazzier. The arrangement is a little bit more loose. There are some gorgeous cymbal-laden flourishes from Raj. It's very decorative, very embellished. He loves cymbals. Now, it's kind of cool. Even after Queen did their thing with this song, they did a recording on the BBC. They did a few songs from both their debut album and their Queen 2 album, which they were working on at the time. They did them live on the BBC. And that version maintains the Queen arrangement of the song, which is more consistent in tempo. It's got that more aggressive bridge and breakdown, but it brings Roger back for the third verse. That's my preferred version for very biased reasons. I just like to hear Roger sing. And I also love hearing the guys trade off on lead vocals. That's something they seldom did. I often wonder why they didn't do it more. Usually, if you have one of the guys singing lead, they retain that through the whole song, even if they layer a lot of harmony vocals, which of course is their trademark, and people love that so much. But perhaps trading off lead vocals would have felt a little bit too pop band, maybe? I guess that's the thought that comes into my head is that maybe it's too singer-songwriter style, that maybe by retaining this one lead vocalist in a song, it keeps a certain statement and strength about it. There's a consistent sentiment, but I just like hearing that little shift over to Roger for that third verse. It's a really nice surprise. Yeah, this song is just such a welcome release from the rousing tension of the previous Keep Yourself Alive. They did 
play this live, especially in the early shows in the 70s. They played it live quite a bit. And, oh man, I think it is the 76 Boston show. That performance of the song, it's extended for one. So the brilliance and the marvelousness of it all is just extended beyond belief and it's wonderful, but the power behind it is so impressive, especially as a live performance, which, I mean, in the studio, it's easy to make yourself sound larger than you are or more than you are, but on stage, they achieve the same result live and it's really astounding. And honestly, that is one of my favorite performances from that entire show, simply because they're just, mm, that is one of their high points. And that song, I just, I absolutely love that performance of this song. I kind of wish they had played this song more. I wish we had more recordings of it. I wish that they had tried different variations of the song. I love to hear different interpretations of songs and different mixes. I mean, who knows? I would love to reach out to the guys and say, hey, I want to do this song. I should do that. I should just record a version of it with my own super chill out vibe. I mean, some people may think I'd be butchering it if I did that, but I would probably put my own little Charlie spin on it and make it something atmospheric and really draw out the reverb. You know, I used to be a reverb queen to a fault. It was, it was terrible. I would put in so much echo and reverb and delay in my song vocals that there was no frequency boundary. It just kind of went everywhere and off, off the, out of the left and right speakers. It kind of just went everywhere. There was no balance. But I didn't understand music frequencies at that time. So a lot of it was just experimentation. But now that I know how to reel that in, it would be fun to do this song and do my own little version of it. But I digress. This is just such a lovely song. It's such a great little nugget of sparkliness. And again, that softness, that vulnerability, really nice, something I appreciate coming from such a hardcore rock band. Go have a listen to it, YouTube or anywhere that you love to stream your music. And I will be back again to talk more Queen and other fun stuff. So until then, I hope you guys are doing all right. I hope all is well and stay safe. Try to find the goodness wherever you can. All right. Later.